Hey everyone, today I want to talk about Immanuel Kant's short text, What is Enlightenment?, which was written for a magazine or a newspaper back in the uh, mid to late 18th century. But before jumping into that, if you want to follow me anywhere other than here, you can do that uh, on Instagram at theory underscore and underscore philosophy if you want to see mostly pictures of my cats. If you want to help me out, like, share, subscribe. If you're new here, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm David. I try to explain philosophical texts in a somewhat accessible way, at least as best as I can. And be sure to subscribe because I at least release videos every single week and I'd like to have you back. If you're listening to this in podcast form, you can find the video on YouTube. If you're listening to this on YouTube, you'll be able to find the, it in podcast form wherever you get podcasts where there shouldn't be any ads, which is obviously best. If you want to help me out monetarily, you can do that via Patreon or PayPal, but obviously no pressure. It's just there if you want to help me out. And there are some like benefits offered on uh, Patreon, like opportunities to, to chat and uh, monthly Zoom meetings, stuff like that. And yeah, I don't waste any more of your time with that stuff. Let's jump into what is enlightenment. Now this is a short text, so it's not going to take a whole lot of time. But at the end, I'm going to propose some, not really criticisms, but how, or I'm going to accentuate that the situation we find ourselves in today doesn't allow for the kind of enlightenment that Kant kind of um, sketches here. Now that in no way is meant to detract from what Kant is doing here. It's just that I think we, we need to kind of look at this a little differently today, or at least the project of enlightenment today. He begins this text pretty much by saying that enlightenment is a state of removal from self-incurred tutelage, at least in my translation. In other translation, it's like uh, bondage, or not, not so much bondage, but like nodding. Um, anyways, it doesn't matter. What that is, what tutelage is, is an inability to think for oneself. That is, you rely heavily on other people to tell you how to think, what to think, and in what magnitude you know are, you are to think certain things, and what you are to deem important in your own life. Now he stresses that this is self-incurred, that, that is, we bring this upon ourselves, and it comes about through a kind of licentiousness or laziness. That is, we don't want to think for ourselves because it, it's, it's a difficult thing. It's difficult to, to question moral sentiment. It's difficult to question religious institutions. It's difficult to take one's health into one's own hands. So while Kant is clearly pointing us in that direction, he acknowledges that this isn't necessarily an easy thing to do, especially because throughout the course of history, there have been these institutions established that take on a kind of uh, rulership form over people's lives that they are born into and that makes it that much more difficult to kind of take emancipate oneself from. So some of the examples that he gives are like priests being these kinds of rulers that you know tell people what to think. He also gives the example of phys- physicians who tell people what to eat, which I think has a, a quite a strong resonates well with today, uh, especially with discourse around nutrition and, and dieting that is so often about policing what people eat. And it's it, as kind of an aside. Uh, the way that people handle health today, that is their personal health, mirrors in a lot of ways the way that we would previously deal with religion. Whereas in a religious uh, situation where people were pretty much guided only by religious sentiment, if someone sinned, they had to repent by doing like 
in the Christian tradition, you know, like 50 Hail Marys, or in Catholicism, uh, like 50 Hail Marys, or, or, you know, they had to go to church for so many hours. Whereas today, if you eat too many carbs, you have to go to the gym and do so and so many reps of something in order to kind of burn that off. And there is, there, there are these kinds of parallels here, but that's, that's sort of an aside. Anyway, so we have the physician here, we have the priest, we have just people in positions of authority for Kant that tell people what to think, how to live their lives. That is, they decide for them. And one of the ways that they are able to maintain their power is by instilling fear. That is, they make people afraid not only to think for themselves, but that without these rulers, they will actually, the people, will actually meet their demise. That is, they'll be led astray and they can't be left to their own devices because they are untrustworthy. And this is a justification for like uh, heavy government surveillance on people, uh, on people's bodies, dictating what people are to do with their bodies. That is really reminiscent of this pattern that has been going on for a very long time of controlling people to the point that they do not have an option otherwise. That is, they cannot think, operate for themselves. So in order for enlightenment to be attained, freedom must be posited. That is, freedom must be uh, put forward because otherwise people won't have the freedom, they won't have the capacity to say no. That is no in the sense that they are operating for themselves, not no in that they're just gonna submit to another authority by saying no to, to another one. No in that they have that capacity to say no to things that do not work for them as individuals. Now, this raises a few dilemmas, and this is a short text and Kant doesn't go into this in great detail, but he really puts a lot of stock into the public as a, as a site for the possibility of uh, the transmission of knowledge, for the transmission of reason, not as determined by individuals in power, what he calls kind of the private form of reasoning. That is where you have like a priest who doesn't really transmit knowledge for the good of the public, but transmit it, admits it mostly for themselves as this kind of priestly uh, position or like a government official or anything like that. Now, of course, this raises some some issues in that how do you possibly come to uh, an agreement among a broad enough social body? For Kant, and again, this is a short text and I'm not knocking him for this, it, it just seems like it will just happen as long as people are given that potential. That is, they're given the potential to reason in a, in a public way. So any laws that do emerge, because Kant isn't saying get rid of all like uh, government, get rid of all laws, get rid of all kind of systems. Instead, he really wants these systems to reflect the will of a reasoning enlightened public, not being imposed upon by like uh, traditional structures that only exist because of the weight of their history. That is, they just kind of keep going as per a kind of inert uh, effect or a kind of snowball effect. And that at the time of, of writing this, he didn't actually think, of course, that people were enlightened but that they were in a stage of enlightenment, the age of enlightenment, in which that possibility was perhaps on the horizon, but it, it hadn't been attained quite yet. And he was really trying to give a name to uh, the emerging kind of scientific rationalism that was happening at the time, how uh, the church was losing a great deal of power and in favor of you know these kind of scientific forms of thought. And he was just really trying to give uh, a kind of forced to that in by naming it. Now, the way that I kind of want to, I don't want to challenge this, but that I want to point to uh, some of the difficulties is that one of the problems that we are presented with today, especially with 
mass media, especially with just generally mediated images that determine how we are going to act from Disney movies to music to, to whatever, what occurs is a kind of um, what I will just vulgarly call a kind of homogenization of the public that is a submission to certain cultural codes uh, and beliefs that are subconscious. So to just get rid of tutelage in favor of freedom doesn't account for the ways that people are indoctrinated, be it through ideology or whatever, indoctrinated into so many systems without their even knowing it. So they can't just take it off and be free. That is, they'll always have to contend with these kind of uh, presupposed prejudices that guide and determine how they will act. And so there's almost that much more stake in certain individuals, and if there were more of them, that would obviously be better, and this can obviously be f facilitated by making education more accessible. Certain individuals that can kind of break through, even for a moment, in order to kind of shine a light on the system from outside, or to generate new knowledge. Um, and yeah, I guess that's pretty much it. I'd like to know what other people think. I don't think I was unfair to Kant, uh, but you know, some people might really have a problem with the idea of like, uh, you know, allowing for something like universities to, to flourish in a kind of private way. And I'm definitely open to uh, criticisms like that. But yeah, I'd, I'd certainly like to hear from you and yeah, catch you next time.